Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today's episode is a little bit different in that our guest today has only been a founder for just over a month, and she became a founder really on accident. This was not something that she intended to do, but what she has done in the last month is nothing short of remarkable. And given the topic and what is going on in the world around us, it was so important to me to have Kitty Brantner on Dear Founder to not only talk about how she founded and created the March 4th movement, but how you can get involved and what is coming next. Today's topic is really important to me. It's incredibly important to so many of you and I know to the community that I live in. On July 4th, 2022, I received a text from one of my best friends at 1025 a.m. Keep in mind, this is someone that I grew up with. This is someone I've been friends with my entire life, but neither of us grew up here in Chicago. We both planted roots on the North Shore, and this is where we've decided to raise our families. She said to me and to our other friends on the group text, I think there was a shooting at the Highland Park Parade. I think that something grazed me. I'm home now and we're okay, but I'm shaking. In the minutes that followed, Twitter erupted with the facts of what happened in the town next to mine, a town I visit sometimes multiple times a week, a town where my kids do after-school activities, a town where we see doctors, a town that's part of my community. And as we now know, a madman stood on top of a building firing over 70 rounds of ammunition into the crowd below him with an assault weapon. He killed seven people and injured many others, and truly, many of those there have been impacted in ways far beyond our comprehension. Our community most definitely will never be the same. The mass shooting at the July 4th parade in Highland Park, Illinois, marks the 309th mass shooting in the United States in 2022. I'm going to repeat that. The mass shooting at the 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois, marks the 309th mass shooting in the United States in 2022. And there have been shootings, mass shootings, since that date in the last month. As our community was reeling and didn't know what to do, one mom did. Like so many of us, Kitty Brantner, founder of the March 4th movement, had enough. She went online and said to her friends and her followers, and she says in this interview, she wasn't an influencer. She was just a mom who went online to her friends and followers on Instagram. And she said, who's coming to DC with me? When she woke up the next morning, you'll hear her talk about in today's interview, hundreds of people had replied and said, count me in. 
In a matter of days, over 90 volunteers were mobilized, creating a rally, setting up meetings in Washington, D.C., connecting with the victims' families of the Uvalde shooting, connecting with the victims and the victims' families in Highland Park, driving awareness and publicity of this movement. And really and truly, the goal was simple. The goal is simple. March 4th's mission is to ban assault weapons nationally right now. Following the rally in D.C., March 4th, and the noise created by this movement has helped move a dormant piece of legislation to a passage by the House Judiciary Committee. And following that, a passing vote this past Friday, so that it is July 31st today, on July 29th, there was a passing vote in the House of Representatives. This piece of legislation will soon go on to the Senate, where we are going to need to fight like hell to get it passed. Before I introduce Kitty to you, I just want to say I have had the honor of being a part of this team and working so closely with people whom I have never met before in order to move this movement and our mission forward. This work has been unlike anything I've ever done in my life. And the people who I am working with and have been working with over the last month truly have become have become some of my closest confidants and people who I count on in a way that I've never in in my life counted on people before. And I know that I speak for all of us when I say that. Please come on in and listen to Kitty Brantner and the story of March 4th, as well as how you can get involved and what's next, because honestly, this is only the beginning. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today's episode is different and special all in one. Our founder today has only been a founder for under four weeks, but she is someone who is making one of the biggest impacts I've ever seen in such a short time on the world around us. And I have been very lucky to be working with her for the last four weeks, though this is the first time we have ever been one-on-one, which is crazy, and you're going to hear why. Um, And Kitty Brantner is truly truly working every bone in her body to change the world we live in for our kids, for us to make this world a safer place and to ban assault weapons nationally. So Kitty, I'm so, so grateful that you are here. Welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you. It's just like so weird to hear you say has been a founder for under four weeks. I'm not. I'm just in a movement with a bunch of amazing people And I'm still figuring it out every single day. But see, that is something, though, that founders do figure out are figuring it out every single day. I've been a founder for a dozen years and I'm still figuring it out every single day. And you are a founder. You founded this movement. You are the person who brought it to where it is right now. And you are the one who keeps it going. So I want you to share your story as to how and why this even happened, because it is fascinating. Sure. Um, So let's rewind to the 4th of July, uh, a celebratory time for many families in America. I have three kids under five and they've never been to a parade. Two of them were literally born in COVID. One of them, I mean, maybe we took her when she was a baby. I don't really remember. I don't even remember what I did before the 4th of July at this point, but we went to this parade. We went to a family parade or our family went to a parade in Winnetka where we live. I grew up here. I went to this parade when I was little. 
it was happy. It was exciting. My kids were waving at floats passing by and I was encouraging them. And my sister who was with me got a phone call from her friend. And all I heard from my sister was a shooting in Highland Park. And I just remember being like, what? You can't really, you don't have any information, right? But So you kind of hear this and you're like, that can't be true. Meanwhile, I'm like, good job, guys. Yes, look at the guy on the stilts. Look at this. And we're trying to process what's going on. And all her friend is saying is we're running, we're running. There's a shooter. We collectively figure out we need to leave. My sister was the first one to say, we got to get out of here. We end up sheltering in place at our home on the 4th of July in our 4th of July gear, um, shaking, crying. Our doors are locked. We've like everyone, we're getting calls from friends that were there. Um, we're hearing about a, a two-year-old who was um, oh, couldn't find his parents. And a friend of a friend had Aiden at their house. Um, we're just processing pieces of information, whether true or not, um, moment by moment. And I just remember sobbing for hours and my husband and I not really knowing how to figure out what to say to our kids, right? We're fortunate that our kids are young, <clears throat> that our kids are under five. And they didn't know what was going on. And also, by the way, they weren't there. I am from the cheap seats here with kids that haven't been directly impacted by a mass shooting. We were just 10 minutes away. So essentially, we I'm crying, Tom's crying, every all my friends were talking about what that like what is going on. On the 5th of July, which is a blur, I believe it was very much the same sentiment, but I remember just posting things to my Instagram. And I am not somebody that has a lot of followers. I'm not some like an influencer. I just remember asking stupid questions on my stories. Things like, can the president create an executive order that bans assault weapons? Like what, can he do that right now? Um, asking what, what is the purpose of an HR or of an AR-15? What is the purpose of an assault weapon? Why would somebody need it except to murder people? And just asking questions, getting curious, getting madder and madder and madder that we had to live like this. Um, and I had already been mad, right? I've been donating and, and to Sandy Hook Promise and Brady and Newtown Alliance and, 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 because you think that that's what you're supposed to do. And you are. So on that night, on the 5th, I say to my husband, okay, I've been researching suburbs of Toronto. It's not that far. We're moving to Canada. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is not a reality I'm willing to, to tolerate. And he said, Kitty, we can't just run. And I said, okay, Tom, then what can we do? Sorry, I'm sassy because I was sassy. I am sassy. And that just spurred another, you know, unsolicited question to the internet of, hey, guys, I think I want to, you know, have a peaceful protest in D.C. And I just want to scream at the top of our lungs until they hear us. Because I truly believe more of us want this than not. Does anyone want to come? And naive me put my personal email on the internet. And that was at 8 p.m. on July 5th. I woke up to hundreds of emails and DMs saying, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Let's go. What do you need? I know how to do this. Have you ever, like, do you know someone in D.C.? I can help you with this. 
And suddenly on the 6th of July, this movement is born. We're texting, we're emailing. My friend helps us set up a Slack channel, which I'd never use Slack, although I am a working mom. I'm just a Microsoft working mom. And we suddenly have 99 people in this Slack channel figuring out and we're like naming it. One of our committee chairs, Tara, was like, let's name it March 4th for the 4th of July. We were like, perfect, move on, let's go, next thing. And it just was happening at the speed of light. Um, I think because there were so many, there was such a unified feeling of we can't be helpless anymore. We need to change. If you like what you're hearing on the Dear Founder podcast, please make sure you take out your phone, scroll down. Yes, please do it now and leave a five-star rating or write a review so that others can benefit from all of the amazing conversations that we're having right here. Every time you leave a rating or write a review, it helps someone else discover Dear Founder and all of the incredible women that we feature here each and every week. Thank you so much for listening. I will say that. And I, this is what I just jotted down, you know, cause I came on, on the 8th of July was you, you were in a couple of people connected us. And I very vividly remember you were in your stories and you were like, I'm not an Instagram expert. And I wrote back to you, but I am, let me help you. And then the next thing I know I'm on a committee, which was like amazing, but the best part about this work and, and the unique thing about this work has been, it's been yes, messy. And like, I don't even want to say unorganized because it's not, but it's not like there's some plan we're following. Right. Yet we have gotten more done in such a short time than most companies get done in years being founded. I mean, it's the work that we have done is, is insane for the amount of time. And also the fact that most of us are also parents and have full-time jobs while we're doing this. So I, I want to say that. And, and I, I know, and I know you would agree with me that the reason is we are all very passionate about moving the needle on this and very unified in making this happen. So we just get the shit done. Yes. Yes. It is this, this incredible group of And it's mostly women, but there are men. So it's like, it's not just moms and it's not just parents. There's many people who Mm -hmm. all walks of life. Right. But the common theme is we don't believe that we should feel unsafe going to a grocery store, concerts, parade, sending our kids to school, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just, it shouldn't have to be this way. And I think part of why, again, it's working. So similar to your story of, yes, I know how to do social media and I literally do this for a living. And we're like, perfect, go. Um, I had two uh, women who reached out to me really early on that are from Winnetka, but both live in DC. I didn't know either of them. And now I consider them my family. And they reached out separately. They didn't even know each other saying, Hey, I'm a lobbyist in DC. Like, what can I do? And at the time I'm like, I don't really know what that means, but it sounds important. So probably something. Um, And they have been incredible in educating me, us, right. Our, our, not only the committee, but the followers now we're nearing 20,000 of how things work. And we literally on side texts are like, should we post the school of rock? How does the bill become a law? Because clearly all of us forgot. And it's, so they're educating us. And then they're very patient with me where many of my questions are why, why, why does it have to be like that? Why can't we just do this? Why can't we do that? And it's a nice balance of what, how things work but challenging how things work and doing it the right way. 
So the most amazing thing about this is a lot of what and why this has happened has happened because of a lot of the principles I preach and share here every day. You showed up as yourself. You were very authentic. You didn't try to be something that you weren't. You admittedly said, I don't know a lot of these things and I need to educate myself. But you showed up as a concerned citizen, as a worried mom, as someone who wanted to make a difference, but you didn't let it stop there. You really obviously took it to the next level and you actually did something about it. So I want you to very clearly share what the mission of March 4th is. And I want you to tell everyone listening what has happened and what has transpired in the last four weeks. Yes. Thank you. Would love to. So part of what makes this easy is we only have one goal. There's no convoluted six-step plan. Our goal is to federally ban assault weapons and to do it right now. That's it. It is not to take your guns. It is not to infringe upon the Second Amendment. It is not to do anything other than get with the times, realize that weapons of war that were literally designed to murder as many people in as little amount of time as effectively as possible, those weapons shouldn't be accessible to civilians, period, end of story. We have all sorts of red tape for our military when they handle similar weapons, yet an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 40-year-old can walk into a store, purchase said weapon, and carry on with their day. It makes no sense. I cannot wait to look back after this is passed and say, remember when we had to fight about this? Before you get into the other huge, 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 like monumental mountains that we have topped in the last four weeks. I want you to share with everyone what happened the last time assault weapons were banned. Oh yeah. Um, so again, I, I don't even know how old I was and I obviously wasn't paying attention, but in 90, in 1994, there was a, uh, an assault weapon ban. There was, there were presidents on of both parties because again, this isn't political that signed letters urging Congress to do this and they did it. And guess what? There was a significant drop in violence. There was a significant drop in mass shootings. I don't have the data. My team that's smarter than me does. There are graphs. There are a million articles about it. It's just facts. And then 10 years after it was enacted, Congress let it expire. Since then, we have, we have created this world that we live in today, which is that nowhere is safe. This can happen to anyone and it will happen to you if we don't do something. I was a mess after Uvalde, a mess. I didn't want to send my daughter to school. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. It was, and and unfortunately this happened at Sandy Hook too, 10 years ago or more. So you, you start to kind of realize that it could be you. And then on July 4th, it was, it was my friends. And that's when it was like, all right, no more. It's time to just stop feeling like we have to sit here and this is horrible. What is this world? And do something about it. The committees start forming. It's like July 8th, July 9th. Yeah. We were working round the clock. I mean, I I very like, I mean, this was only a couple of weeks ago. So clearly I vividly remember we you know, I remember just like sitting right here at my desk, like all weekend long. Yeah. I want you to tell everyone what happened. 
Yeah, I'll do my best um, because it is kind of blurring together. So hopefully if, if there's revisionist history, you can correct me. Okay. Um, I mean, essentially, yes, we had a group of around 40 people working seven days a week from seven to 10 PM. And that's not an exaggeration. Like it, it, it was every day, all the time to create a rally in DC of which we had 500, no, maybe 600 people registered to come to DC and simply stand and say no more, ban these assault weapons. Then we realized it wasn't just going to be one day because we were uniting families from Highland Park who have now become my family and my friends who are survivors, who are victims themselves, who had severe trauma only days prior. And they said, sure, I'm going to come. I want to use my voice. I need to turn my grief into action. We then had an amazing uh, person named Sarah on our committee who reached out directly to families from Uvalde who were coincidentally hosting a march of their own in Uvalde, Texas on, on that Sunday and kind of telling them, here's what we're doing. We stand with you. We know we're, we're aligned here. Um, can we can we invite you to DC to to share your stories and, and be heard with us? And the most incredible people in the world, which they are, were like, yeah, yep, when, where, we'll be there. So between figuring out, okay, this is now meetings with Congress people, which my lobbyists were like, let's just be really clear here. These meetings take months to set up and we're trying to do it in days. We will probably meet with a couple of interns, maybe some staffers, which is very important. And a lot of them do the actual work, but here, you know, kind of just preparing us for what was going to happen. Okay. Meanwhile, we raise $250,000 in five days so that we can pay for every survivor's hotel and airfare. We have in-kind donations from some amazing companies, which we will continue to highlight on March 4th, uh, when we have a moment to breathe, uh, for food. So we don't have to worry about feeding this group of people that we're asking to come on, you know, in, in short notice, it was this, it was like, we planned a wedding in a week. And then the day before we changed the guest list, it was like, how is this happening? And yet it was happening. And the meetings that we set up, and not, not me, our amazing team, were such that we had to create two days of meetings. We had to divide the survivors into smaller groups because the rooms weren't big enough to hold us, which, by the way, is the problem that there's too many survivors of mass shootings, and this is just two mass shootings. Um, it, was, it was the most powerful two days, probably, of my life, and I've given birth twice to three children. Um, and that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning of the snowball. So then what happened after DC? So lots. Um, it really, we got so many comments of, of just how healing it was for many people who are victims of trauma, um, how empowering it felt for many of us who have felt hopeless for years in this matter, and really on the DC side, right? I'm talking with a lot of people who have been jaded by being in this machine. And I have been in these rooms and after a couple of meetings, you're like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And then you step out and you're like, wait, whoa, yes, it can. They're telling us they haven't seen anything like this happen. 
so quickly, so efficiently. And so all of these are, are further motivation to keep going. And so we've continued to solidify our organization. We are getting more formal literally by the minute in committees, in outreach, in strategy, in plan. We have done a ton of media. Um, learning how to do that has been a, an entire process. We just have quite literally the most incredible, talented, selfless people working tirelessly and for free to do this three weeks after another mass shooting. I want to share from my perspective, because I'm, I only am really, I mean, while I'm, while I have a lens into a lot that's going on, just being on the Slack channels from where I sit, one of the things that was amazing that happened was so you probably don't know this, but like, I'm actually not really trained in PR. I know how to do PR, but that was the committee you put me on. So like, I was like, sure, I'm going to go with it. You know, like I know how to do this. I have a gazillion contacts and Emily and I, and Emily's also not really trained in PR. So Emily and I were like, who can we get involved? So we bring in Stacy Moore. So the three of us are the ones who are really handling the PR. And I, and I want to, I'm echoing what you, well, and Lisa as well. So Lisa was do, at the do. So Lisa was doing the messaging, and yeah, we yeah. were kind of doing a lot of the yeah. outreach. But we were all working together, yeah. and we still are. So, but I share this because you just said like everyone's working like tirelessly and together. So I have never been a part of something where everyone's just like, yeah, sure. So the goal was just reach out to everyone we know who is in PR and have them pitch the shit out of this, and that's what we did, and you know, so it goes two ways, right? Like it's like, this was really, we blanketed the media and we got a ton of press from this. That goes to say, and that goes to show this is really fucking important. And that is why the press is picking this up. America wants this. America is not going to stop talking about this. And we are just making this loud and amplifying this and not stopping because yep. it it cannot go on like this. And and yep. that is what this group is about is like, we will not have any of this stopped. I think it's a really, really great point. And I'm glad you brought it up. I remember being on a committee meeting with like 30 of us and talking about the PR strategy, talking about the press release, talking about, um, you know, how we're going to line up print and like just all these words that I don't use in my daily life. And Emily was speaking. And at the end she goes, by the way, like, this isn't what I do for a living. Like this, I'm not formally trained. And all of us were like, wait, 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 what? You what? Huh? Like, what do you do? Like, if you don't do this for a living, like maybe you should. It's just, but, and then it started to, you know, we've all never organized a rally in five days. We've all never been political activists, even though it shouldn't be political. And so it's just, it's just the the cliche of where there's a will, there's a way. Like if something matters and you put all of your energy into it, you're going to make it happen. There's no alternative. I want to ask you, and this is, this is something too, that I know, I know what it is to be the face of something. And I know what it is to be the face of something where you maybe didn't intend to be the face of something. Like when I started my first company, when I started bump club, like I showed up as a mom and I was, but then I ended up being the face and then I ended up being on TV and then I ended up doing all this stuff. And like, that was never my intention. It was just to help moms. Yeah. And you said it in the beginning of this conversation, you said, I don't have a million Instagram followers. I'm not an influencer, but what has it been like for you, Kitty Brantner to in four weeks go from being a working mom from Winnetka 
to being the face, one of the faces of this incredible movement, because it is it's a lot to take that on. It's a lot on so many levels. I mean, and you are not like a traditionally media trained person, but you sure do a great fucking job at it. So Um, what has that been like for you? um, It's funny. In my real job, um, we do a ton of press. We have some of the most talented PR folks that I, I know. And I, as a lot of us on like the management team get asked to do interviews and I decline them every time unless they're in print and I can do it behind the scenes. And so Heather at my company was helping me, was helping me before. I don't know. I think like she was helping us too. I mean, she was part of the team who was helping us. Totally. Like she was like, Hey, CNN, MSNBC, they want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, can you like, give me a quick prep. And so we get on the phone and she's like, well, you've done this. Wait a minute no, you haven't done this before because you decline every interview opportunity that we give you. So let me start very fresh. And I'm like, totally, this is my nightmare. But when something matters and it is quite literally a matter of life or death, and it is about your children, you will do anything. And I know that has been said a million times by a million people uh, smarter than I and more accomplished than I but that's the reality. And that's what I'm feeling. And so I, you're going so fast that there is no time to be like, Oh, wow. Like you just do. And I'll deal with how I come off or people's perceptions or their opinions later. I don't have time right now. Right now I need to federally ban assault weapons because I'm afraid to send my daughter to kindergarten period. So There are a lot of ways that people can get involved in March 4th. Obviously, people can volunteer their time. um, And I know from being on the inside at the moment, we're trying to like organize and mobilize those volunteers. But what about people who want to donate when they and and I want to make sure that we say this because you are and we have we applied for the paperwork right away. So I want to make sure that people know that this is a legit organization that um, we have applied for the proper paperwork. And when they donate, I would like for you to tell them where the money goes. Absolutely. So another great point and things that we're learning on the fly. Um, number one, many of the families in Uvalde who have GoFundMes have not seen a dime. Um, we found out firsthand because everyone thinks of GoFundMe as the fundraising uh, platform. So that's what we did for our donations. And we were able to raise $250,000 in five days. It was insane. That being said, that that fundraising is closed. That account is closed. All of the uh, extra donations or, or excess donations outside of reimbursing uh, survivors and their families to get to DC has been split through Victims First with Highland Park and Uvalde survivors and families. We are so grateful to those donors who are able to help change those lives and, and do that. And it's been amazing. At the same time, There were a lot of limitations around um, retrieving said funds, about what we could do, about how it worked. And yes, we are a 501c4. As of now, we're working on a bunch of other, you know, incorporations, if you will, to make sure that we can be as effective as possible. But as of today, we have zero dollars. Zero. I'm very confident in our ability to fundraise. And I'm glad you're bringing this up because it's going to be a huge part of hopefully after this passes the House, the Senate push. But um, we are literally, I have a contract that we're going back and forth with for a new, more legitimate professional fundraising platform. And so it's not even live yet because we're working through that. Once it is, 
we are going to need some money. And so let me explain a couple of things off the top of my head from a naive point of view, having never done this before. We need things like paid media. Uh, So paid ads, targeted ads to specific states, right, where they may be getting some propaganda about they're coming for your guns. Like, no, we're not. We're not. We're just coming for the weapons of war that can murder our children and families. Um, And we're we're not even coming for them. We're just prohibiting the sale of them in the future. So paid ads to uh, whether it's social. I'd love to get um, uh, some print uh, media out there highlighting companies who stand with us because I'd love to spotlight people on the right side of history here. That costs money. I would love billboards to say, should we, and again, I'm probably going to get shot down. So if you want to hear my raw ideas, um, we're going to have to polish them up for reality. I would love a billboard to say, should we wait till the next mass shooting to ban assault weapons? I'd love to put that all over America. This all costs money. Um, This is before any of the other strategy, hopefully getting people on board full time to pay them salaries to do this for their living, to have this be sustainable. So the answer is yes, we need donations as of today. Hopefully by the time this airs, there is a link. Actually, that's inevitable, but we're working really fast here. But as of today, we have zero dollars and I need to, for example, I need to order T-shirts that we can sell at Ravinia on the 6th, where I'll be speaking because a wonderful band called the Revitalists have invited me up on stage to talk about March 4th and introduce them. Like it is this unbelievable community. We're moving as quickly as we can, but yes, we would love help and support that way too. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So I'm going to ask you a couple more things, okay? Um, I want you to talk about what is, like, what is the now? Like, what is the short term and yeah. what is the long term goal? Yes, I can like, do that. What come, what's now and what I know what's now in this moment, because before we got on this, yeah. there were things that were happening and we had to push this back a few minutes. So yeah. that's how fast and furious this is working. And that's how fast and furious March 4th is moving. And I want to say that because and that is why this has moved is and been as successful as it has. Like the minute something happens. Our whole team is on it, like white on rice. Like even if like, and there's so many of us that we have each other's backs. So it's, it's okay if like someone can't jump in all the time, you know, it's amazing. So talk about like the now and the next. Yes. So now, um, literally right now, and hopefully by the time this airs, um, you'll know the solution or the resolution to this, but as of yesterday, 
the vote was getting pushed in the house. And so I, I speak in layman's terms because I am a layman and I want our messaging to be such that someone who has zero idea of what politics is, hi, me, understands what's going on and what they can do. So the house is step one to a bill passing. They have to say, yes, we support HR 1808, which is the federal ban on assault weapons. That needs to happen by having a majority of votes go yes. Then it would go to the Senate and then it would go to the president. Those are not small steps. They take a lot. Yesterday, we got word that they were pushing the vote after August recess. So basically, they all have to take a week off or two. They go back to their districts where they represent. And then when they come back, they were going to vote on it. And we were like, no, you need to do it right now. So we mobilized hundreds of people to make phone calls asking for the vote to happen right now. What happened while we were sleeping? was those leaders, specifically Leader Hoyer and his team, were behind closed doors figuring out a way that it could happen today. So I go from messaging the group saying, hey, it's not a defeat if it is in a couple of weeks, which it's not, to this morning saying, oh my God, there's a chance (laughs) because of the work that Hoyer and his team are doing as a result of us using our voices. So that is right now. Our, Our goal right now is to pass the house. That is a huge deal. This bill was introduced in late 21 and it sat. It collected dust until our march. After our march, we got the markup, which is step one to the step one. All that being said, the now is to pass the house. The next, and you better believe we will have a very, very effective and tight strategy on the Senate, but we are pushing for the Senate. The Senate is a lot harder. We've got 12 Democrats and 12 Republicans. It shouldn't be political. It won't. But for now, it has to be. So we need, sorry, 12 on each side is the committee, uh, the Judiciary Committee. We need them to discuss putting it out of committee and even bringing it to a vote. And then we need, I think it's 60 votes. And again, I'm saying I think. It is. It's 60 votes. So there's no filibuster. We need 60 votes. and. The day that we started having meetings in D.C., I heard from a lot of these uh, on both sides of the aisle, never going to happen, never going to happen. And I love no's because I'm in sales and have been for 13 years and a no just means not yet. So give me more no's. Let's let's talk about this, because until it happens to you and we don't want it to, you may not understand the gravity. But trust me, you will when you hear the stories from Highland Park and Uvalde. So something that I want to share before we wrap up is um, because I really I want to put a spotlight on this. I think a lot of us, we weren't surprised, but. What what we learned and what we came to know about Uvalde. It's like rather unbelievable. And, you know, I I am I'm grateful that we were able to connect with these amazing, amazing families and also help them turn their mics on. And, you know, I love what you, I love what you say. Like you, you've said it so many times, like they've always had a voice, but their mics haven't been on. And, and I, I just, I would love for you to like words. I'm like speechless. And like, that's not like something that happens to me. It's hard for me to find the words about this because this is something that I know you've been very upset about. I've been very upset about um, you know, when they were about to release the the video on the news, it was me and my press team who were calling 
the Austin affiliate to demand that they not release that video of what happened inside that school. And we were being hung up on left, right, and center. And it was like a very eye-opening experience about what happens behind the scenes. And we have been privy to a lot of behind the scenes things and a lot of things that probably will we will not be able to share here and that's okay. But I would love for you to touch a little bit about our friends from Uvalde and just what we've learned and and how they've been so instrumental in helping us to forward this. Yes. No, I'm so thankful you brought that up. Yeah. Um, we've got, and I've said this a million times. So the group from Uvalde are the most kind, humble, unbelievable, persevering group of human beings that I have ever met. We've met with, and now I call them my friends, my family. We've met with parents who 60 days ago had to bury their children. Parents who went to a honor roll celebration at that school and their kids asked them, mommy, daddy, can I come home with you early? And they said, no, finish out the day in school only to be murdered by a gunman that afternoon. It's unspeakable the things that these families have been through. And keep in mind, this is not just, and it's not even just, but it's not only the families who have lost children physically, but anyone in that school, we lost them. We lost them. Traumatic horror that they've gone through Uh, Oscar talks about it very eloquently. He says, I didn't lose a child that day, but I lost a child that day because this is not my child, speaking of his son. It's unspeakable what these families have had to go through from the police response to then video leaking footage of their children being murdered for spectacle. They were promised to see these videos in four minute increments with no sound privately. Then they were robbed of their ability to privately grieve after having to go through what they, it it is, sends chills up and down my spine right now. I, I have so much anger towards the people who would try to take them down and don't worry for as much unification as we have. There are some behind the scenes, um, things going on to make sure that those that are there to stand in Uvalde's way will get what they're get what's coming to them. That being said, um, the families in Uvalde have been unbelievable in willing to retell and relive their grief, retell their stories in the hopes that this doesn't happen to someone else, right? It's already happened to them. They don't have to do anything. And they are saying, let me walk through the day my daughter died again. Let me walk through the pain that I'm feeling today when I'm having to explain to her siblings that they're safe, even though I don't believe they are. Like this is outrageous. It is enough. If you listen to one of those stories, your life is forever changed. And I'm looking forward to those stories continue to be amplified because they deserve to be. So before I wrap up with some closing remarks, because I'm not going to ask you the question I normally ask you, because the the normal question I ask when I wrap up is like, what would you tell a founder? What are three actionable Uh, items? And 
And yep. because this was an on accident thing, and this is only, we're only four weeks in, I mean, we can come back to that question a year from now, but I do want to give you the opportunity before I let, I close out that I would like for you to share anything else that you would like to share that maybe I haven't asked you or anything else that you want to reiterate. Um, first, I, I think, yes, there's 75 things. Um, the Highland Parkers and the Uvalde families just are amazing human beings. They are you and me. This could happen to anyone and it will until we federally ban these assault weapons. I think, you know, we, te we teach our kids that you can do anything you set your mind to. I'd like to show them instead. Actions speak louder than words. So while the media cycle may forget about us for a few weeks, while, um, you know, the Instagram mass chaos that's happening right now around this may die down, we're not going to shut up until this happens. There is no falling out of the media cycle for this. We're not going to wait till the next mass shooting, which unfortunately happened days after the 4th of July. We have to act this minute. And I want everyone listening to be just as mad and just as fired up as they were hearing about these mass shootings the day they heard them. That's, that's the stuff we can't let go. The fire, the emotion, I say it a million times, emotion gets things passed in DC. It shouldn't be the way it is. It should be, you know, I don't know, the children getting murdered in the first place, but we will bring them emotion in, by the truckload. And we need you to help do that. So my closing message would just be, please follow our accounts, March 4th, the 4th as in the 4th of July. Share us because the more eyeballs we get, the more voices we have and the more united we become. So we'll be sharing all the links in the show notes. But Kitty Brantner, I just want to say that you are proof that when you're passionate about something, anything can happen. Thank you. And you know, I, I love what you just said that like, you want to show our kids that we can do this and we will do this. And, yep. you know, who knows when, and I, you know, it's unfortunately a lot of that is not in our court, but we can continue to push and continue to press. And I also want to say that founders who are listening to this podcast have a lot to learn from Kitty Brantner. Okay. Yep. Kitty Brantner has shown anyone that it doesn't have to be perfect, that things can be messy, that you just put your shit out in the world and you can get shit done to show up and be yourself, to show up authentically. And what happens when you do so, it, it's very important to have a dedicated mission and one that you share over and over and over again. And when you show up and share your story and share your mission, other people will start doing it for you. And that is what has happened in less than four weeks with March 4th. These are all of the principles I share in business every single day. And you have taken it to another level, proving that things can get done and things can happen. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you for being you. Thank you for motivating and mobilizing all of us and for leading the charge on this in a way that is just so authentic and natural and should have been done forget 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was sitting in my sorority house watching Columbine unfold in front of me on national news, that is when this should have happened. Yep. I agree. That is when this should have happened. And so thank you 
for taking a stance and for showing us how to get shit done. Thank you, Lens. I also just do want to mention, I am being mentored and coached by really, really, really smart, amazing founders, uh, folks in private equity VC, folks in nonprofit. Um, I, I don't want credit. I don't want credit. I don't deserve credit. It is this unbelievable team of selfless, smart people. And that's the bottom line. And I hope we can make sure that that's in there. <laughs> it, it it will be in there and it will be also in my intro and outro. So I promise. <laughs> and I, and I, and you know, I will say like, that is something that you are very selfless in this. And I know that you, you always say this is a team effort and of course, nothing would get done if it wasn't a team effort. And that is very evident, but you know what, but you are the one that took the stance and you are, you did, you are the one who put the stake in the ground and said enough and you mobilize people to get on board. And that is a really big deal. So please give yourself some credit and some grace. Okay. Thank you. I'm saying no, but thank you. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you for having me. Of and course. Thanks for everyone listening. And we're going to do this. And hopefully in six months from now, we'll come back with an update with even more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would normally list five to 10 of the takeaways from today's episode. Today's takeaway is simple. Speak up, use your voice, and don't back down when you believe in something. If anything has been learned from the last month and from what March 4th has done and achieved over the last month, it's that anything is possible. Please make sure you're following March 4th on Instagram. Please make sure you're sharing the messages and all of the actionable items that everyone can do in just a few minutes to help move this mission along and to help make our country a safer place for all of us, especially our children. We'll be back with another episode of Dear Founder every Tuesday and Thursday. Thank you again for listening to today's special episode and thank you again for helping to further the mission of March 4th.